Hello and welcome to Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I am here. Uh, I, well, first, I'm Greg Tito. That's important. Got to get Greg that. Greg Tito and in I, the house. And I am also here in the house uh, where we make Dungeons and Dragons. Here, Matthew Lillard. Hello, sir. That's me. I'm here. You're making things happen. Up and down, all over town. Not, a, not as much as Pelham. Pelham's in the back. Pelham, you may be too handsome, bro. I may <laughs> need you to leave the room. <laughs> there might be uh, uh, some some tables might rise. Your hand. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> keep your hand. If that happens, keep your hands off the table. I will always keep Just them up let, above. Don't try to restrain right. the monster. I'm surprised hey, you didn't mention before Ryan. Before we start, I'm g- we're we're rolling. We're gonna roll uh, a niche. All right. Let's see who who goes first. Oh, ah. not only a seven. Ten. Yes, but I have plus four decks. Oh, so I man. am at 11, so I attack first. I'm very dexterous, Magic though. missile! <laughs> There's no need to roll. You got a natural 20, though. Is that a what? crit? I you think that up? is foreshadowing for this podcast. I shall be slayed. I, um, you're going to start. Uh, you have work to do, and I'm just going <laughs> to sing the highlights. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, so we're going to throw into uh, some announcements, and then we'll get to... Uh, announcements! Uh, See, every time, every time. And then we're going to auto-tune it as well <laughs> to make it the... Uh, <laughs> like your, your DJ I'm Lillard. I'm not drunk. I just want you to know. <laughs> I am so happy to be here. That's why. That's unconfirmed. Uh, we, we, we'll figure that out with a roll. Roll a deception check real ah. quick. Oh, natural oh, one. Natural one. You don't believe me for a second. Not at all. Uh, so, yeah, so Dungeons and Dragons, there's a lot of crap going on, and I'm going to go through some of it now uh, while, while Matt sings it. Uh, Tomb of Annihilation. Tomb of Annihilation! It's out in stores. Uh, it's everywhere. You can order it online. Uh, people, we've been talking about, we started talking about the stream of Annihilation that you were at. I was there. Yeah. Uh, that's when it was uh, uh, dropped on all of you, and we've been talking about it for months, and now it's finally in the hands of players and Dungeon Masters. I can't wait to hear about people. People have been twitching it out, right? I mean, people are playing and sort of like laying it in in the yeah. Twitch universe. Right, exactly. The, the, the influencers yeah, have been playing nice. it, but now it's time for everyone else to get in the board. Real, for the real man, exactly. the man on the street. The, the men and women uh, and uh, Wookiees who play they, Dungeons that, & Dragons. Do they review stuff like... Like uh, Annihilation. I mean, will they sure. review the module? Like, who does the reviews? Yeah, it's it's uh, I mean, other than players, right? I mean, I don't think a lot of big press outlets review the books as much. Uh, they're more about the experience of it. But then, like smaller uh, uh, blogs or, or things like that, people will be like, "Oh, this is what I like. This is what I didn't like. I wish this was you know highlighted more. That sure. kind of stuff, uh, which is really valuable for us as far as uh, feedback goes. And, and how has it how has it been reviewed so far? Uh, it's only uh, you know actually I haven't read the nineteenth, right? Yeah. Wasn't it released the was it the 19th? It's right. Do I have that right? Yeah, you do. You had that uh, all in that, your brain. That is... No, that's true. You didn't tell me to, that. that I was, didn't know that. That was just I didn't there. even say it yet. Bro, that, guys, that's how in touch I am with the D&D universe. And that's how we know that you're not drunk. That, no, that it's, you can yeah, recall a, that immediately. That's an actual fact. <laughs> that was correct. It's true. Uh, so yeah, no, a review's been good. People have been like super into it. They liked the idea of the, the hook of the wasting death curse makes a lot of sense for a lot of players because... You're ruining it. Don't yeah. t- I don't know. They all die at the end. Oh, no. The ship goes down. No! You were a ghost the whole time. Oh, curses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, literally curses. Uh, but right now we got podcasts of Annihilation that's happening. Uh, we, we talked to a whole bunch of audio play podcasts. We did a video uh, at the stream of Annihilation, but there's this whole uh, other group of folks who do it only in audio form, and they almost create these, like, radio plays uh, uh, with th- through improv. So they'll add oh, sound wow. effects and edit out, you know, the stuff. We're like, oh, what's that spell? You know, they'll they'll edit that all out. So it 
feels very much like a radio play. It's awesome. And we're highlighting um, 10 of them this week with the podcast about Annihilation. We had Nerd Poker. So Brian Passane and his crew uh, from Los Angeles, uh, they did it on Monday along with Taking Initiative. Encounter Roleplay and Dungeon Rats dropped uh, yesterday, which was Tuesday, September 19th. Uh, and then uh, today we've got Sneak Attack and Drunks and Dragons. Uh, and those are awesome episodes. Venture Maidens, Dragon Drunks happens on Thursday. And D&D is for nerds. And You Meet in a Tavern is out on Friday. Um, I can't wait. I've been listening to all of these episodes. And they, they, they run the gamut from, like, goofy uh, to super funny uh, to uh, really serious and dark. Uh, but also a lot of dramatic moments, too. I've been really into it. The Sneak Attack one, especially because like, there was a barbarian who like didn't rage for the entire session. Wow. Uh, all these fights and he's like I'm holding I'm holding it back and then uh, uh, something and then happened. And the rage something uh, happened. yes. And I actually I was listening to it in the car and I actually got like a little bit of like oh my god this is such the perfect character dramatic moment to rage when it happened. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. So I definitely suggest everybody out there checking it out. Uh, you said there's 10 of them dropping this week. Yeah. Ten new episodes that were all like one-offs, uh, sure. and that people are gonna, make, you know, they might continue with that group or something like that. Now, but. is this something that is happening in the world naturally, or do you guys sort of like create that opportunity here uh, at D and D? No, we created that opportunity, uh, and actually, Josh Peralt uh, from Taking Initiative, who was uh, 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 called into this podcast on Monday, uh, it was his idea. He actually pitched me, and I was like, "That's perfect. We're totally That's gonna awesome. do that." And so he recruited a bunch of folks. I recruited a bunch of folks, and then we're just highlighting them. And hopefully they'll get some fans, and and and, sure. and we've got the buzz about what's happening with uh, with Tomb of Annihilation out there and, and spreading out into the well, into the universe. Good, good, yeah, good. put it out there. Um, Dragon Plus is out now. Uh, we're on issue fifteen. Uh, Bart Carroll, uh, uh, who is just in here uh, uh, talking about how his son met you at uh, Stream of Annihilation. Um, was it a good? Mo- was it a good? It was a good moment. It was a good. <laughs> <laughs> Those sometimes go bad. It, no, you never know with that's kids. Not true. Actually, that's not true. Well, with I, the young I, kids, you never know. You're uh, like, ah, uh, they no, could just cry. They don't know. They're, no, they're overwhelmed. Sweet. Like, I I like kids. And, like, I think that, look, I understand that I have a weird job and I have a weird character that I've played in my life. I'm sure we're going to talk about it at some point during this. <laughs> but, you know, so when those moments come up, I, I, I just, anywhere at any time, if it's a kid, They'll get full attention. Nice. Now, if you're the drunk dude at the bar down the street who's like, hey, Shaggy, that dude will be ignored quickly. (laughs) Um, Do you miss Dragon Magazine? I I do, right? Like, I miss the actual physical thing. Yeah, but so much of our world is, uh, you know, you get stuff in a different way now. You know, like, I, you know, speaking of kids, I just was at a a, a night in uh, uh, West Seattle and they're talking about curriculum night for for what my first grader is going to go through. And there's no more uh, uh, paper homework. They're going to be all online and submit their homework online. But at the same time, I'm like, in 20 years when these kids are professionals, it's not like they're going to be like, here's my TPS report that I printed out for you sure. and signed. Like, it, everything's going to be digital. So, yeah, but I, I, I you know, it's funny. I, you know, we have, um, we're up here, I'm up here for the, a very specific reason that, you know, we can tease which a Which you'll find out which, a little bit yeah, uh, later yeah. on. But, um, you know, I, I believe that the, the world will start to careen back to analog. In mm. some stuff, do you know? Well, you know, when, like, when society breaks down. Yeah, sure. when society breaks down. <laughs> when the world, com- I mean, Armageddon is on our doorstep. We see it every day. Um, no, but I do think that there's something about writing something out on a piece of paper that is a different process intellectually mm. that sort of fills you in a different way than typing something on your iPad and pushing send. You know what I mean? There, I don't know. There's something about that sure. process that. Yeah. 
deep just, thoughts with Matthew Lillard. I, I agree, but deep then I also thoughts. looked. I mean, as far as utopias of, of of society go, Star Trek: Next Generation is one of like my my go to. Oh. When did you ever see a physical pe- piece of paper in Star Trek? Well, it's not good television. That doesn't mean <laughs> that Captain Picard didn't actually. Yeah, but they all had data pads. They all had like things like this that they were like, "Hey, this is our thing that we brought from thing to thing." You know? Yeah. I okay. Fair enough. You're right. This wins the debate. <laughs> Because Captain Picard never ever wrote anything down. No, I agree. Look, I agree. Yeah, the, the, it could go either way. I I think there, but there's some. But like you know my kids, here's my thing. So my kids are. She's a brilliant little artist. Yeah, and she draws on that drawing pad all the time. And like I look at it, and it doesn't have the same. Like you're in front of a computer. Mm-hmm. You're you know you're basking in that horrid glow of a laptop, and you're like, I want you to paint. I want you to draw. I want. I don't know. There's something about it that I long for coming back to this sort of analog world. And look, maybe it's just nostalgia, but I do think there's something in that. That's yeah. all. I do too. We and are way too deep. You were talking about good stuff and I got us off track. No, I'm sorry. dude. That's what this podcast is all about. Just I love meandering it. Yeah. random thoughts of nothingness. My boss, uh, Nathan Stewart, is like, you guys don't actually talk about Dungeons and Dragons on this podcast, do you? And I'm like, like, well, well that's sometimes. Fair. That's fair. Well, you know, and I like to I like to present it as like you're a well rounded person. You know, you can Bro, love I'm games and love Dungeons and Dragons. I'm but not that well rounded. <laughs> you're like, all I think about is DD. All I want to talk about is analog world. <laughs> nice. Uh, but I agree with you too. There's there, I mean yeah, we'll we'll get to that off off yep. off, uh, off mic. But the, uh, that being said, Dragon Plus is available on all your digital devices. Maybe we'll have a, a, a maybe that's something we should talk about. I have a physical thing. Uh, but uh, Betrayal at Baldur's Gate is what we're talking about. It's a physical board game. You can uh, uh, explore the world of uh, Baldur's Gate, the city of Baldur's Gate, uh, using tiles and uh, some of the mechanics behind Betrayal at House on the Hill, uh, which is a fantastic way to get into uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Mashup. Yeah, a mashup. It's a mashup. That's what the kids call it these days. A mashup. Yep. I, I hadn't really considered, but that is exactly what it is. Yeah. We should get uh, uh, Girl Talk to do the soundtrack for Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. I'm loving it. This is good stuff. I don't know what that means, but yes, we oh, should. That's a, I think that's a guy that does mashups. Like that's oh, he, thing. oh, yes. Right. Yeah, I, I just know the words. Okay. I don't know the actual. <laughs> You're not, I'm, I I'm not that. I am. If we go back to I'm. I'm very... I'm not that diverse. You're an analog. I'm only You're a, a, a single analog uh, friendly person. Uh, Extra Life is coming up. It's on November 3rd is when we're kicking it off. It is uh, a where we play Dungeons and Dragons for 24 hours. Well, it's, it's going to be 12 hours this year. Uh, uh, in in coward game hole con in Madison, Wisconsin. Rudy and Satine Phoenix uh, will be uh, leading that as well as members of the Dungeons and Dragons team. Um, and then uh, on November 4th, I'll be hosting probably a lot of it from this room. Uh, we'll be playing. Uh, all that day and all is to raise money for kids for uh, Seattle Children's Hospital um, you'll be able to donate to, uh, as we're making characters you'll be able to donate to say which character or race or, or combination or background or even like concept that you want to throw at us uh, there's money associated with that and all that will go to the Seattle Children's Hospital and then as we get up to all the thresholds of all the money that we're making we're going to have previews of uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything which is coming out in November uh, so that'll be your first way to get in touch with all that uh, like new subclasses you, why, don't, why don't you include me in these things I want to. You want to be involved? I, of course. No, I want to say no to the children's of Children's Hospital. Yeah. Well, well, it's going to be streaming. So, yeah, just, you know what? Actually, I do have to talk to you about it and possibly a studio down in LA that you might just be able to come in and play. I'll be in Atlanta, but that's all right. On November 4th? Uh, Yeah, until February. Oh, all right. Well, maybe we can make it work. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm in. 
Next year, we want to involve, like, this. we're kind of, like, rushing on planning on this one, but, like, next year, we want to go all in and get uh, a lot of people that were in the stream sure. of Annihilation and other folks uh, uh, to be able to do this. But, you know, you can always raise yeah, them. Yeah, I would know, love to. Yeah, make me play, like, an Aarakocra or something like that. Make it happen. That's, I would <laughs> never do that to anyone. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there's more information about that coming up on our Extra Life page. Uh, uh, Pelham is awesome, and he's going to try and drop a link here into... so beautiful. Pelham, uh, you're such a... I mean, I just can't take my eyes off of you. <laughs> can't take my eyes off, off of you. you. Uh, the PAX West live show did really well. Uh, Holly Conrad from uh, uh, the uh, Waffle Crew joined the Acquisition Incorporated crew on stage at the Benna Royal Hall here during PAX. It's awesome. You should go uh, check it out. It's on twitch.tv slash PAX. Uh, and there's also a YouTube video up on that. Uh, and Dice Camera Action just started last uh, afternoon, last night. Uh, so season three, they're running through all of the Tomb of Annihilation stuff now. Um, Anna, Jared, and Nate uh, were all on board, as well as Danny Hartel as a special guest star as Zandala. Uh, and uh, I only got to watch like the first uh, half of it, but my favorite part was when uh, uh, their, their, her pseudo-dragon ate uh, another party member's pet mouse. Uh, uh, kind of... Sur- not, not surreptitiously. It just kind of happened. And Chris Perkins uh, was like, "Yep, no, the pseudo dragon eats the eats, eats your pet," <laughs> and everybody That's was hilarious. crestfallen. Uh, so yeah, it's it, it was super fun, and uh, I'm excited for them to start playing weekly at 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific time on Tuesdays. Uh, the Dungeon Master Screen Reincarnated is out. Do you know about this? No. Uh, actually, you guys play with it a little bit at the uh, Stream of Annihilation, but it's a new Dungeon Master Screen. It's got the art of a red dragon kind of in flight. Oh, I did see the dragon. The yeah. dragon's incredible. It's good stuff. It's painted by uh, Tyler Jacobson. And who, Tyler was at the thing. I was like, yeah. you did that? I was, I kind of fanboyed on him. He's pretty cool. He's pretty awesome. I can't believe that he this, this stuff just comes out of him. It's, and it's like remarkable. these iconic images. So what's on the back of the screen? Um, It's all of the stuff you need to, to run 5th so uh, edition. So it's... Just fifth edition charts and yep, yep, and like you know if you're traveling, you sure. know that kind of thing, overland things. Uh, uh, it's it's updated and changed. So we had a one that came out with 2014 mm-hmm. uh, that had like backgrounds and things on it that oh, yeah, yeah. are less important when sure. you're actually playing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it made uh, no sense, right? So we took feedback from from Dungeon Masters oh, over good. the last three years, and now it's all stuff that uh, uh, that you need going sure. forward, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, super cool stuff. So that's out, and as well as the Tomb of Annihilation dice are out now. It's a dice tin. Didn't uh, know that. That has, that has these uh, uh, this green devil face on it and oh, it uh, uh, has uh, awesome like opaque green dice that you can't really Ooh. find anywhere else That's good stuff nice. yeah but even the tin itself is pretty cool to keep your dice if I only knew people at Dungeons and Dragons that I could score some mm. free green dice I wonder mm. I wonder where you might be able to get those Insp- oh, 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 five. That's not very good. Is your diplomacy really high? You know why? Is your these, charisma high? These dice are completely jacked. <laughs> you just got an 18. That's, no, that's because I threw it away. Oh, that's your throwaway dice. Yeah. Got it. All right. Uh, yeah, we might be able to get some for you. Actually, I should be having them here uh, uh, so that you can see them, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm wearing this thing for Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It is out now uh, in early access on Steam. You can send characters out on uh, uh, adventures. They collect, uh, they kill monsters, they collect loot, they get it all. But it all happens in real time. So you can kind of set them up, and then they, they they just do their their thing. And then, you know, you spend like five minutes, you set it all up, and then you walk away, and you come back, and then you see all the gold and stuff that they've collected over time. So it's one of those idle games that you can spend a little bit of time here and there, perhaps when you're at work or at school, uh, uh, do a little quick check-in. <laughs> no, no. No, not at school. Not at not school. Not at school. Yeah, I meant like college. Yeah, college. First, yeah, first graders, like, I need to get <laughs> wand of 
improved invisibility. Yeah, you know, we've been talking to a lot of teachers who use Dungeons and Dragons in the classroom. Why? Yeah. What, what school is that? It's, I will uh, go back to school. It's this guy, uh, uh, Cade Wells in, 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 in Houston and inner city schools in Houston. He's basically uh, uh, creates his whole curriculum around it. Uh, it's really wow. interesting. Yeah, and they create character in like the beginning of the of the sure, school year, sure. and they get like rewards if they do really good thing. They get like equipment if they do bad. They can take wow. away gold pieces, things like that. And it becomes this character management tool. And he's like, he's like you, you. He's like kids don't read. They don't open books anymore. Uh, and he had like. Are you four- saying that I don't open books? No, Is no, that no. What you're no, it's what you said about like the physical analog yeah, thing. Like people okay. aren't doing that. Okay. I mean, um, I am dumb. But that's <laughs> a little far. That was under the belt. I will say, my wife will tell you that I will, I can't walk into a bookstore without buying a book, but I don't read one of them. <laughs> they all stack up <laughs> next to my bed. I literally have a stack of books that are like, I want to read them all, but I just do other things instead of the reading. Like not even like on set or something like that. There's so much well, downtime. Set, I look, when you're away and on set or, I mean, I read a book all the time and I'm actually going to work for a long time. I'm doing this show for NBC that's coming out in this fall called The Good Girls and nice. yeah, it's awesome. Um, we just did the first reading of the first two episodes yesterday. I'm really excited. Cool. Yeah, it's great. It's a great character, great cast. NBC's really excited about it. So it's it's good. Touch Sweet. Wood. You went like right into like a Hollywood mode there for a second. No, but it's it's so um, look. You know, in our lives, we you know sometimes you have a job and sometimes you're feeding your kids and sometimes you're not. And right. So right now I've got a job and you know and that's the thing is when you go to work you're. You know, you have that opportunity downtime, and you know, you read a book. Yeah, that's nice. That, I like that because it's you know, and we we talked to uh, Deborah Ann Wall from uh, yeah, uh, she was uh, great. God, she was, awesome, she was right? really, really lovely. Yeah. I listened to your podcast. I really like it. Oh, cool. Yeah, Thanks, yeah. man. Um, um, but yeah, she was saying how she was making characters with Charlie Cox uh, on the set of Daredevil. Uh, just as, right. Like as part of the downtime, I'm like, oh god, that's such a great that's way to awesome. like you know roll some dice, make some characters, yeah. do some stuff in uh, on D and D Beyond, making a character not, on there. Not everyone. Not everyone I mean, is on board. There's just not a lot of. I mean. You know, our city, our town, our, our, you know, group of actors. Look, she's, look, there are some people in our business that are celebrities mm-hmm. and there's some people that are actors. Mm. Um, and she, you know, she was talking a lot about her theater history and what she, and the, she's like an actor. Yeah. And something about spending time around a table, something about spending time in fellowship, hanging out with other people, that, that joy that you get from doing theater mm-hmm. is the same sort of thing you get when playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, so. yeah. And even, you know, it's like, it's almost like improv comedy too in a way because you're all making at the same time Yeah, together, or improv right? drama. I mean, yeah. it's both. And yeah, that's it can the be. thing. It vacillates between the two really easily. For sure. You're still on announcements? I know, dude. dude I, was just about, I was just about like, like every, I was like, I just, just left you alone. People would have tuned out 20 minutes ago. I'm thinking about we putting are, it away. I'm putting I it mean, away. What else do you need to tell the people? What that's is just, so important? There's so much important stuff that's it going is, on. But like people are only going to grab what are you sure I'm I don't want to really No, I actually was literally going like uh I think I'm going to skip I mean, these and get I mean, right yeah, to the good. get right people, to the segment. Guys, things are happening in D&D. Either get in or get out. That's right. Jeez. Uh you can always find it on, on wizards_d&d for for our Twitter feed as well as dungeonsanddragons.com. You'll get all the They're stuff I would have talked about. They're racing to right get now. that information right they now. They totally I are. I can't wait. All right. Well, speaking of information, Tell them, don't you look at me. Don't <laughs> you look at me, you <laughs> handsome bastard. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to throw it to a segment right now. We're going to learn some information about lore uh, and or some sage advice from Jeremy Crawford. So we'll throw that to that right now. And uh, and then we'll get back and get to the real meat of everything that we wanted to Let's talk about. Let's get down, dude. Let's do it. All right. I'm taking off my pants. What? Go! <laughs> no! <laughs> Well, 
Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know, uh, where me, Greg Tito, speaks to these fine gentlemen, Mr. Chris Perkins. Hello. And Matt Cernan. Howdy. And uh, we are going to talk about a little bit of Dungeons & Dragons and Forgotten Realms lore that you can use uh, in your game. And today's topic is Candlekeep. Yeah. Yes. Is that is it is it an is it an island of Candlekeep or is the castle of Candlekeep? It's it's sort of it's sort of a castle. It's it's out on a sort of um, promontory. Yeah, peninsula of of rock. I mean, it's way out, uh, kind of out in the ocean. It's um, on the sea. So the Sword Coast is a big bunch of cliffs along most of it, and it's uh, out way on a strip of land that goes way out into the sea, kind of, <laughs> and so it's, it's up on top of this bluff. Um, and it looks like a big-ass fortress with lots of towers. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's kind of, the, the appearance is kind of funny because the, the appearance in uh, our art in much of 4th edition and earlier, and then uh, it was based upon the art that was done in Baldur's Gate, the, vi- the video game, mm-hmm. computer game. And that art just kind of painted it as a four-sided um, castle, very sort of Disney princess-looking place. And if you go into the actual descriptions of Candlekeep in products, it's a bit more complicated than that. Um, and it lo- actually, I think it's a bit more interesting. There's a, there is a central tower and some gardens around it, which is what you see in the game. Um, but there's also a host of other towers around that that are all built up in crazy wackadoodle towers. Um, that are have built up over time as these various uh, scholars have come to sort of do their work. And I'm a so wizard, and I need my own tower. I'm going li- to build it myself. <laughs> the, the library isn't necess- necessarily a, a like place where you go in and like you go through some gates and there's some books in a library. It's scattered all o- over these towers with all of these scholars working in their own little cubicles and pl- spaces right. and stuff and all these various towers with bridges interlocking them and so stuff like that. So it's a little bit more haphazard, kind of yeah. grew yeah. naturally and organically. Yeah. But it is first and foremost a library. Yeah. It is the foremost library in the Western heartlands. Yeah, I mean, it really is kind of the, the sort of greatest single collection of knowledge anywhere in the Forgotten Realms. Um, and it has been doing this for quite a long time. The uh, the role of years, the sort of how Forgotten Realms has the various names for the years. Yeah. So like 1491 is the year of the Scarlet Witch, I think. Yes. Something like that. And uh, there's lots of other names for the years, obviously. Um, those were all uh, devised by... Uh, Alondo, and uh, he did that work in Candlekeep, oh, like a, a thousand years ago or something like that. And so it's been there a long time collecting lore. And one of the ways that it collects lore is that when you uh, want entry to Candlekeep to consult with those scholars, you have to present a book that they don't, don't have, have in their collection. So. Oh. Um, it might be that your book is unique because of what else has been written in it or because you wrote it or something like that. It doesn't have to be necessarily, you know... A new copy like a, a new book that yeah, you've never seen Yeah, completely before. new thing. But I believe the last time Elminster went there, he brought with him Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> that is canon. <laughs> that's, uh, that makes a lot of sense. But, you you know, that's how you get in, and so that's how they've been collecting lots of lore. And obviously they have uh, their own scholars who are interested in various things. So, you know, whatever, they're... Maybe there's a scholar in there who's super interested in white dragons. Well, that scholar might go out and go and look for resources and bring them back and that kind of thing. Got it. Who uh, who founded Candlekeep? We don't know. <laughs> it wasn't Elminster? So, or, no, or no. It, it doesn't have sort of a name founder, I don't think, in, in the lore. And it, it, is, um, it, is, a, it is a 
uh, it's not necessarily like a group that's um, like a it's not one deity that's that's organizing it either. Like it's uh, Denier okay. and Ogma and and all of these deities are sort of related to knowledge and uh, learning and all that kind of stuff and are all represented there. But the organization itself is not necessarily a priest or a wizard or whatever. Many of them are priests and wizards, but they're all sort of part of this organization of scholars who guard Candlekeep. And it's just this long-running tradition of scholars who do this thing. Who Who is the what, – what's the, the organization's name? Um, well, they Does are – Does it have a name? I, I think they're just the – they, they have various names. So like – the, the Keepers of Candlekeep. Yeah, they, they – there's an enormous amount of lore based on like the various levels of what you are as far as a scholar in there and okay. what robes you wear and all this kind of stuff. And uh, Ed Greenwood wrote up a document in 2004, uh, which I, I don't think we've published anywhere, but it's a, it's, it's sort of a, a guide to Candlekeep. And it's, it runs through all of that stuff about basically who is the master of the green door and yada 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 and all these different things. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so, so Candlekeep was a, a, a sprang from the mind of Ed Greenwood. Oh, definitely. Back yes. in the day, yeah. <clears throat> As yeah. probably a location that his home group there, went and needed to go to, and then it just it is the go-to place if you need information. Yeah. Um, if you can get in, you can pretty much. It might take you some time, effort, and resourcefulness, but you can probably get your hands on pretty much anything you need once right. there. Spell, scroll, otherwise. Um, while Matt's looking up organizational stuff, I will mention that my first contact with Candlekeep came out of a Worms of the North article mm. that was published in Dragon Magazine, where Ed Greenwood described a disembodied dragon uh, whose spirit lingers in the deep archives of Candlekeep. This dragon, Miram, um, manifests as a pair of spectral dragon jaws mm. and will speak to you in this form and uh, trade information with you, but also serves as a vicious guardian if anybody tries to steal the books that it considers to be part of its collection. Cool. Yeah. So uh, two, so, two jaws? A pair yeah, of jaws? Yeah, a pair of bone dragon jaws. Oh, okay. Just the bone. Interesting. Um, and then nothing will... else of the dragon remains. So this talking, these talking bony jaws basically having words with you That's or a cool image. Floating after you, snapping at you if you try to run off with one of its books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think Miriam still got her breath weapon in the works, so that's also kind of a spooky feature of encountering this spectral apparition. Right, but then a uh, you know a fiery breath weapon amongst uh, a bunch uh, a bunch of books that are well, meant to be protected. Well, yeah, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about fire and candlekeep. Oh. Fire, fire is not allowed. And more and importantly, notes. it simply doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The, the wards on the place basically snuff a flame out. Oh. So, like, if, if you try to cast fireball, just. Nothing. Gone. Nothing. Yeah. Bupkis. Light a candle. Nothing. You Nothing. can't light a candle and candle You can't keep. light a candle and candle yeah. keep. But uh, magical lights that don't actually burn mm -hmm. are fine. So cast light on everything. Yeah, yeah. And, a light spell. Or yeah, there's plenty of sort of like um, continual flame spells and stuff yeah. like that that illuminate various parts of Candlekeep without threatening to set the whole place ablaze. Nice, that makes sense. Um, are so so it sounds like each kind of you know head head scholar has their own like little domain within Candlekeep, and then do they have underlings underneath them that do the work of cataloging all that? Uh, is there? A can a catalog. All right. So <laughs> there's a lot here. Yeah. So uh, there's uh, there's what's what's called the the first reader, 
and uh, so the, 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 technically, I guess they're called the Avowed of Candlekeep. Yeah. Um, and uh, they are led by the Keeper of Tomes, who sets the sort of policy of Candlekeep. And then the second authority is the, is, uh, the first reader. And then after the first reader, um, gosh, then there's uh, the great readers. And then there's the offices of the, the chanter and the guide and the gate warden. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a whole sort of bureaucracy. real bureaucracy and organization, very much in the sort of kind of in the form of um, like Benedictine monks or right. that kind of a thing. And you have to understand that this all comes from the brain of a man who has spent a, basically his life as a librarian. Ed Greenwood is a oh. librarian mm-hmm. by trade. So Candlekeep has always been sort of a, a way for him to reflect a version of a library that would exist in his world that he can relate to. I wonder if there's like like uh, uh, Michelangelo's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, putting real people into his his frescoes. If there are oh. real librarians that Ed uh, that, uh, has that, immortalized, that's a question you'll have to ask Ed. That's that's kind of cool. Uh, so, but so it, it does feel like a bit ad hoc, even though there is this bureaucracy that that you know each person's collection has their own kind of organization to it. So that's why you mentioned that like it might take some time for you to actually find the thing that you're looking for. Yeah, I, I mean, there there are like master readers and scribes and so it's a good keeps on going down. Um, but I, I think that the um, there would be, for lack of a better term, sort of, sort of like adjunct professors, right? So uh, imagine um, you're really interested in white dragons and you earn your way into Candlekeep by giving them some book that they don't have. And they have thousands of copies of and bits of lore and scraps of things about white dragons in their you know, archives and various towers and so on and so forth. You might spend years there um, researching what you want to know about white dragons. And so, you know, you, you might not be officially part of the organization and yet you're still a fixture in Candlekeep mm. as someone who's an expert, someone that they can refer people who have questions to and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So, there, so there's people who are looking for their thing, but then they've already become right. the experts that other people are looking for their thing yeah. to help find. I think a lot of what happens in Candlekeep are just cool interactions with some NPCs who might be um, just socially off their rocker. I mean, mm. people who tend to hang out here probably aren't social butterflies. They want to be left alone. So if you come searching for a book and you go to where it's stored in the archives and you see there's just a blank spot there on the shelf, that probably means somebody else in Candlekeep has has that book in their custody currently. And then you have to try to track down who has it. And if it's like the third book in their stack of books, they might not want to give it up to you right? because they haven't gotten to it yet. So how are you going to finagle getting that book away from that wizard, which he isn't even reading right now anyway, <laughs> but he doesn't want to relinquish into your custody for fear of not getting it back in due course. Yeah. Um, and so suddenly you've got this little role-playing challenge going on or you're trying to basically pilfer it without the wizard noticing and then slip it back before, you know, he even knows he's any of the wiser. Right. And so... But then you also have to watch out for his pseudo-dragon companion who's keeping a watchful eye on you all the time. So you need an apple to bribe that thing and keep it busy. And so I see Candlekeep as a place where you can have myriad interactions with very interesting folks, the consequences of which could be dire (laughs) if you fail. It's a nice way to get information about your setting or, your, or, or the background of the thing without it being spoon-fed to the players, right? Like, right. Oh, here's the you right. need this information about the MacGuffin or whatever you need to do for and your adventure. And then the information you get is not necessarily reliable. Oh. Um, so you may have to consult multiple tombs and then extract from multiple tomes and then extract from that what you believe to be the truth, um, because you know not every book you read is from a reliable narrator. Mm-hmm. 
That's interesting too. Yeah, and there's there's also um, lots of fun opportunities for there for you to find magical things in Candlekeep because uh, obviously they have a huge library of magical books and uh, scrolls and spells and stuff like that. So there's there's that opportunity as well. If if the characters want to kind of go there and find some new spell or something like that, they can go and do that. Is there like a a, a research arm of Candlekeep? Like, are there people who are trying to access new and different parts of magic? I don't think there are necessarily any any inventors per se. Okay, uh, so it's not like a yeah. Um, Typically, once they've figured out the lore they need, they go off to wherever they actually came from and do their thing yeah. and then apply it practically, right? right. And without the prying eyes of all their peers. Right. You know? <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, is there any uh, magic items? Like, is it scrolls and knowledge only, or is this like a repository say, for magic items? I would too? say it's not really. I don't think. I don't think it's been historically a repository for non-book, non-scroll magic items. But that being said. The beings who come here, no doubt, are loaded, mm. uh, many of them, with magical stuff. And also, there may be guardians in parts of the archives who also have magic items at their disposal to defend those archives. So it might be, uh, you know, if you needed a specific kind of item, you mm-hmm. might also be sent to Candlekeep to, yeah. to find it or, or yeah. you know, help like, for it. Like, if I, were, if I were a cruel DM... <laughs> I might have yes. the party need to contend with like uh, a helmed horror that's got a gauntlet with a rotating arm of like six wands. And it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> None of them fire. <laughs> yeah, right. None of them fire. Or it would cause any destruction right. to books, but yeah. Yeah. Only, but, only to people's. Um, there, there's, I suspect, all kinds of odd things like that. Uh, there's an idea that there are lots of sort of ghosts floating around yeah. in Candlekeep and spirits, and um, a lot of books have magical properties, even if they don't necessarily do sort of the things that the DMG do. So, like a book, you might open it up and it might show you an illusion instead of an illustration, um, or, or it might release a spine devil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just or, for fun. Yeah. Or, you know, it, it might read aloud in the voice of the person who wrote it or something like that. So there's lots of, like, interesting little magical fun things that could happen in Candlekeep. It's just sort of interesting color and interactions. Got it. And you, we, and we mentioned we talked about the, the gods of knowledge that are there. So Agma is, you know, very much neutral, doesn't really make a judgment on good or evil. So is there a large number of, of you know, necromantic tomes there or evil things that would be tinging toward the evil side of things there as well? I don't think they're biased toward books as, you know, in any way, shape, or form. I think evil books are fine. Um, they're just guarded mm-hmm. so that no oaf can just run off with it or, or unleash something they weren't meant to or, you know, mess mm-hmm. things up. Yeah, I, I mean, I imagine that those things are, are kept under some sort of protection in lock and key, but, um, you know, individuals who have... Um, a reason to go. I mean, it's, I don't think you can just go and read the Book of Vile Darkness for the fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ideally, the DM has set up a few impasses. Along you the know, way. Yeah. Right. Interesting. All right. But it's probably there. It's there. Even, you know, so the knowledge to do evil things is there. Yeah. Uh, and so that might be another reason you're like racing to find the knowledge before a, uh, uh, you know, an evil wizard is able to find it first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and you know it's it's really also just like knowledge about virtually anything. So, 
Um, one of the other gods that's worshipped there is Melil, which is sort of like a god of um, music, music and stuff like yeah. that. And so, I mean, I'd imagine that whatever the recordings of symphonies look like or that kind of songs uh, and, oh, you know, songbooks yeah. and things like Poetry that. Poetry and yeah. lyrics and... Novels. Oh, is there is there a bardic bardic uh, uh, college there as well? Like that would that would. Nope. No. <laughs> they don't teach you, but they have the books. They yeah. have all the stuff for yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah. it's like the it's like the Library of Congress. Yes. But not the Juilliard. Got it. Correct. All right. I like yeah. that. That makes sense to me. Um. Cool. All right. Well, I feel like there's a lot of information there uh, to unpack. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, it's one of the great places of Faerun, sort of, if you had to list maybe the top ten list of places to see in Faerun before you die, Candlekeep would probably be on that list, which, you know, begs the question, when are we going to get around to doing something with it? And that's yeah. something that we're looking at now. Uh, is there also information there on uh, other planes? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But you probably won't find any gateways there, so... Uh, you have to go somewhere else. But they know all about oh. Athos and... and <laughs> Don't uh, tell them about the gateways, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> they know about Oerth there yeah. and, and uh, uh, realm space yeah. and all that. Because, I mean, they, they sort of guard who enters and they watch who leaves and what they take with them. So Interesting. All right, well, we'll find all about Kryn there. You might. You might also find, you know, um, like real world Earth books oh. there. Really? You might. Sure. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. 1984 w- absolutely. is there. <laughs> Wizards who have traveled to Earth have wound up in Candlekeep. And, you know, so you might see green eggs and ham on a shelf somewhere. <laughs> really? Yeah. Is that canon? Is there, like, actual, like, <laughs> Earth books that have been described as being there in, in Candlekeep? Almost certainly. Nice. I love that. I love that kind of meta stuff where it's like yeah. you're in, you know, there's it's all yeah. part of the the multiverse. If Ed Greenwood, or sorry, if Elminster can visit Ed Greenwood in his kitchen in Canada, then yep. Elminster can get green eggs and ham in the Candlekeep. He can sneak back a few <laughs> issues of National Geographic or something like that. Oh my god, that's awesome! Yeah. All right, well, if if I ever run a campaign that's there in Candlekeep, that green eggs and ham is going to have to be on the shelf. Playboy issue number one. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Uh, All right. Well, thank you guys uh, so much for telling us all about Candlekeep. Uh, Where can people find out uh, how to get a library card there uh, uh, by asking you on social media? Where where is the best place to do that? (laughs) I'm on social media, specifically Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. Also on Twitter at Cernet, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. Awesome. Uh, Thank you guys. And we'll be back with some uh, some more lore another time. We are back. We uh, are back. That was good. Did you hear all that stuff? That's a, you know what that is? What? Light as air. It is. It is. You can light just, as air. Light as a feather. You just keep going. Uh, uh, so, yeah, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, when you started Dungeons and Dra- playing Dungeons and Dragons. Sure. Because a lot of people hear about, like, oh, you know, Vin Diesel plays, blah, 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 and you know, this person you plays, know, and I that asked person. Him. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. I was at the premiere of Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Oh, yeah? And I was like, you know, I went up to him. I'm like, I, I have to ask you. He's like, what? <laughs> I was like, you know, I game. I was like, do you really play D&D? He's like, uh, yeah. And I think he was avoiding it because, uh, like, you know, because I play, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I went down my whole thing and I was running a paladin at the time and we yeah. were doing Age of Worms and we were champions oh of Heronius and I was, you know, Vachon Domier. I was like, oh, so you're real. So then we, so then we engaged. Mm. Like you sort of had to get through that firewall of like, 
right. protection. Did, is then, this was this a challenge or was this actually yeah, someone like, who yeah, wanted exactly. to? He thought be... I was mocking or trying to find a way to talk to him. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. But it was. Uh, he does. He was good. He was a good guy. That's cool. Yeah, solid dude. That's really um, awesome. Age of Worms was my uh, uh, like actual first long campaign that yeah, I ever right. played. Like back in like. By the way, Dragon Magazine. Yeah, right? that's, that's right. I mean, we pulled out a dragon, but I don't. Yeah. Was it released in other ways? No, no, no. It was uh, episodic. Yeah, it yeah, was, it was uh, awesome. Yeah, every every time, and that was, was I great. played that campaign for like two and a half years yeah. in New York City, and that was like, oh, I, that was my first time where I felt like I, I I got what Dungeons and Dragons was. So did you? Was that when you were young or when you were older? It was. I was older. I was already married. I was living in New York, and uh, I had like a, a a Catholic background, so it was hard for me to meet people that played number one sure. and then number two if, if I did my mom was like no that's not a good idea well, yeah, yeah right and so it was it was I went into the theater and did all that stuff and then uh, 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 I was living in New York I got married and we were doing all the theater things and then I was like wait a second I can there's nothing I'm stopping me. There's a, I'm yeah, an adult, yeah, exactly. And so God actually doesn't care if you play. <laughs> he he actually it. might like it. Yeah, he likes it. Yeah, because you get to play as him. You know, um, it's kind of cool. Uh, so yeah. So th- so when did you first, start what playing? Was the first character. I'll I'll talk about me in a second. It's not nearly <laughs> as interesting. What was the first character you played? Uh, the first uh, full character that I played uh, was Todd Hedron. He was a half elf. Todd, you named a D and D character Todd. Todd, yeah. a half elf named Todd. Yeah, and they. Well, My God, that has got to be against the rule of some kind. But they I, called him Toad. He was well, a. Toad makes sense. Todd is terrible. He had this, you know, he was a half elf, so he had like a little bit of the the, the eyes that were larger uh-huh, and sure. like a little bit of pointed ears. I know what a half elf looks like. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna draw a picture of it just so you make this sure. This is that a half elf named Todd. Todd. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what he was. Well, he was Todd Hedron is a is a fantasy-ish name. Isn't that good? Enough? Not even close. <laughs> That is terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, then uh, that he was an urchin. He basically was like uh, a slub. everybody hated him in town, and of his mother was a, I think she was a whore, and his, his father was an elf that like just estranged and did everything. And then that we played the entire Age of Worms. And what campaign. was he? He was, he was a, a ranger. A ranger. Yeah, I was. It was a little bit Tannis half elven, uh, you know, from from the Dragon Alliance. Okay. Definitely, that was my uh, uh, my end to those stories. Oh, that's I, good. I loved him. <clears throat> Todd. Yeah. Todd. Yeah, but then he like oh he meets God. his mom and like I think she betrays him at, oh, through good. the course of the campaign. The DM was really good about. Oh, that's good. Taking a few threads that <laughs> I didn't even really you know sure, consider too best. much and then pff, blowing them out into that's this awesome thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I started playing as a kid with David Larson down the street. Mm. David Larson, if you're listening, big shout out to you, David. Um, David Larson, uh, Adam Harrison, Brett Bird. It was like a group of us as kids, yeah. and we sort of found it. You know, we, we were kind of into riding our bikes down, buying a lead figure, coming back, painting it. That week we would run the dwarf or that week we would, you know, the next week we would run the paladin, the mm. guy with the big shield. Like, you know, you would sort of go on these tangents. And then at some point, like, you know, mo- and we'd play that all summer. Like we'd play football and then we'd play D&D and then we'd make movies. We'd make these little Super 8 movies. Oh, no way. Cool. Um, and uh, I've got to get those. Those movies were all, you know, you're making war movies on Super 8. It was awesome. And you still have the reels? Like, you yeah, still have them? I mean, he has them. And he contacted me years ago, and we lost touch, and I should find the Facebook. He's on there right now. He's he watching. A, he's and, a Facebook yeah. friend of mine. Yeah, let's get in touch. Um, I want to see those. But he uh, he would shoot these movies. He was this, like, really kind of amazing kid. Mm. And we'd shoot these movies, and we'd call the all the parents from the neighborhood would come down and watch it. And it was it was awesome. Like, we had skate parties in the backyard. It was very strange. <laughs> skate or die, man. Um, <laughs> That's and cool. Then, and then, but then you were playing D&D with him at the same Dungeon time? I played Dungeons and Dragons, and he was a great DM. And then I played, oh, we played all the way up until, like, seventh grade. Mm. Uh, he was a year older than me. So he, at seventh and eighth grade, we sort of, like, you know, even though we are in the same neighborhood, he went a different way. And 
we, and then I stopped playing. And then, um, you know, when I was in acting school in New York, uh, one day after a Super Bowl, um, my roommate at the time had like his D&D books. His name's Johnny. And Johnny had played D&D since he was four. And he played. When we all stopped, he just kept playing. Nice. Him and his brothers. Wait, since he was four, he was playing? Yeah, uh, he was like, the, he had older brothers. So oh. he played early, like crazy. I mean, he was like, you know, this, he's a D&D savant. Right, that's cool. And, um... So he played all the way through high school, all the way through college. And then I said, you know, after the Super Bowl one day, I was like, we should play D&D with these, you know, four of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And that was 1991, and we still play today. Same group of guys. No way. Yeah. That's insane. That's so awesome. that's, what, 37 years, 27 years? Uh, 26, yeah, 27, 26. 26, 26 years. 26, yeah. Wow. Or 27. You're like a, like, more, <laughs> marriages don't last that yeah, long. Yeah, no, <laughs> and we're the same group. So all of us moved, all of us migrated to California, except for Paul, who's still in New York, and he plays on Skype. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's, it's it's like when you get dinner, you know, you get pizza delivered, he's like, what are you guys ordering? And like the, the hour is completely knocked out. Yeah. It's like from like 10 to 11 o'clock his time. So we'll play, and he'll like stay up to like 3, 4 in the morning. Oh, that's to play super D&D. cool. It's cr- it's super stupid. He should just move to California. Right. And you play D&D with us. Yeah. And then we added Abraham Ben Ruby, who's uh, one of my best friends in the world. And yeah. An amazing guy. He was great. He was he was at Stream of Annihilation, yeah, too. Great. And he had so much fun. You could just see it. It's like, he, he loved, loved it. it. He, uh, he He's a funny story. So we were doing Without a Paddle. He plays the big guy, bad guy in Without a Paddle. And we were in New Zealand at the time. Yeah. And he, I was like, you know, at some point I, it always comes up that I game. And I'm a, I'm a person that likes to tell everyone in the world I'm a gamer. Mm. I believe in, like, owning the colors that you are. And I love the fact that I'm a gamer. And I love everything about the game. So I'm foot forward and proud. And right. so at some point he figured out that was a game. He's like, I want a game with you. I want a game with you. And a lot of times in this world and in, in, in everywhere you go, people are like, I want a game. I want a game. And you're like, yeah, sure you do. You know, and... It really takes a lot to sort of get through that barrier because I'm not I, – when I game, it's my favorite thing in the world to do. Right. I really don't want somebody that doesn't understand – and this is really exclusive of me, but I don't necessarily want to share my game with somebody that's kind of wants to game. Right. It's a waste of my game. And, again, that's my special time. And like, you're kind of acting like you kind of want to play or it's a passing fancy. Well, or it's got to be hard be for cute. you to determine whether or not they actually really want a game or yeah. if they just want to be or friends with you. To, or, 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 yeah. Well, not that so much. Like, everyone wants to be friends with me. That's so obvious. <laughs> I mean, who does it? But, right. like, you know, like that guy who's like, oh, I'll check it out. Like, right. I'm not interested in spending a time with somebody checking it out. I want to play. Yeah. And especially um, you guys have been playing together for so long, you've got like yeah, all and you're the, like, the you're roles bring it figured into out. Your, into your thing, and yeah, so anyway, it's a sacred so thing. We yeah. so Abraham's like, I want to play, I want to play, I want to play. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And so we were. This is a. I'll never forget it. So the the last um, Lord of the Rings uh, movie, mm-hmm. Return of the King, Return of the King was screening for the first time ever. The world premiere was in um, was in New Zealand. Yeah. In Wellington, which is where um, Peter Jackson shot the trilogy and Weta's down there. And yeah. so what they did is that they bought out all the theaters in Wellington and invited the city. Grew, it was like, you know, a city of like 500,000 or something ridiculous or 700,000. It grew to like a million people for this weekend. It was wow. a big deal. And they screened it. And he re- completely restored like a 1920s theater mm. in like full Dolby and like huge seats. And like he restored it. And the very first screening they ever had was of Return of the King, or uh, 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 this, this movie. Yeah. 
The last and one. Returning. The, yeah, yeah. And like they had a parade. Like our our production had shut down because everyone like they had an elven army and they had a Nazgul on the side of a building oh, and so these cool. huge rings, the side of like whole things. And like it was amazing. And like t- t- tens of thousands of people were lining the street and they had full like orc army like riding in and people would boo. It was crazy. Oh, crazy. I've never experienced anything like it. And. So we were sitting, I was sitting the seat behind Peter Jackson. No way. So because we had like reached out and our crew was there and our producer, so we got these seats and like it's Peter Jackson and Sean asked and like everyone's sort of lined up mm-hmm. and Abraham and I sit next to each other and like other people, like everyone knew that we got like the two special seats for our production because we were like excited to be there beyond anything. Yeah. And Abraham sat next to me at the end of the movie. I looked over and he had tears rolling down Aww. his eyes. I was like, you can play D&D with me, man. You're in. <laughs> That's all you yes, need to do. Right. I was like, dude, you're I'm, you're gonna play, and he's you know now he's been in the game for whatever t- 10, 12 years. That's amazing. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, was I that, I still watch. Is that a, Pelham? Was that all right? The story is too long. Was it too long? No, it's good stuff. It was, a, it was real emotional at the end. Did you cry? <laughs> did you find yourself moved? I cried when I watched those movies. Like now, like Dude, I've seen movies. them, like you know, so many times. Yeah. I still will throw them on, and st- especially that thing when they all be- like they all kneel uh, in Minas Tirith at the end. It's yeah. like okay, oh, the long. hobbits. The end was too long. The ending was too long. No. Too many false endings. Too too long. Well, that's in the book. I mean, that's part of the, yeah, yeah, the thing of it, right? And then you have this the tragedy of the Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. It the was. video game made movie. I know, I know. So and I thought they had so much great uh, uh, potential. And then oh, I sure. still haven't even seen. By the way, how about just one. make one movie? Yeah. How about just instead of like stretching it out and abusing what you have, or at max make it two. Right. Right. It Eagles take off. Okay, you're good. Right. Go on to the second one. Yeah. I still haven't Dreams. even seen the last one. Yeah, because it's gross. And that a guy that's like a guy that you believe. Holds that space sacred. Yeah. And Peter Jackson. Right. Just really, in my opinion. Well, there By is. By the way, I've just completely destroyed any chance, any chance of ever being in a Peter Jackson. I'm sure movie. he's heard it before. But the part that was cool and then I made me feel like I loved Dungeons and Dragons even more was when the White Council uh, attacked Dol Guldur. Uh, uh, seeing these like the like big yeah yeah the, like the superhero Expansive. team of Gandalf yeah. and and that Elrond was... and Galadriel and yeah. and, uh, and oh, Celeborn, you are a geek. dude, you are fun. Oh, dude, I, I, I all those names. Well, I didn't get to play Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid, but I could read like okay. crazy. I could read whatever you know. Well, that's not always true. Have I told you about all my books? <laughs> I have lots of books. Yeah, don't read one of them. <laughs> Um, I see. I have a bookshelf, and I I used to say I, I've read all those books, but now there's a few so on there that I like you. I bought that I haven't actually gotten to yet. Yeah. Um, the uh, well, look the sm- the sm- the smog. Yeah. And the, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Like that, the the expansiveness was really sort of. I still think the visuals, uh, uh, yeah, are, will will always be. You know, even though I read them, you know, for years and years and years before I ever saw Peter Jackson's adaptations of them, but like those are the images that are cemented. Uh, what which images? Know. The ones that um, Do, like what what Gandalf looks like, what, sure. what Frodo but looks like. But I have like, that. What? You know, the record. Do you remember the record that they had yeah. of the Hobbit? Yeah. And and like all the pictures that went with it. Right. That was awesome. Well, because that they they got that guy. I, th- I forget his name, but like he did the. Uh, uh, design for the movies. Like, yeah, 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 they, they, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Same thing. So right. That's what I. That's what I see. We had. Um, it was actually cool. They have uh, the reading. They have like a, an eight or seven album set of the reading of the Hobbit. Mm. That when my kids were really young, 
like on like every Sunday for like w- you know weeks on end, we'd gather around in the living room and we had this old record player, mm. and I'd put the record on and we'd listen to one side of the album, Neat. and like all th- you know my whole family would sit there and listen to this record, and the following week you'd follow up on the set you know on side two, and it was awesome. That is cool. It's awesome. Now you've you've said uh, uh, you played indie with your kids. What's that yeah, like? Yeah. So so yeah. So we. Um, you know, we started playing together, oh boy, like four years now. Mm. I think it was four years ago. And I ran this little campaign. And How old were they at the time? Well, the, uh, no, that's not right. It had to be like, it had to be two or three years ago. Um, they, I have, It's a trick question because they always change the dates. <laughs> you know, they always get older. It's true. Uh, f- no matter how much you don't want to. You try to remember, but it... it 15, I, 13, and 9. Yes. Yes. Nailed it. Uh, Good 13, dad. yeah. 13 turns 13 this two weeks. So. That's cool. My wow. girls are six and four, and I'm like at that. I mean, I, I say this all the time. But like, I'm at that verge of like, God, I gotta get introduce them, but I don't want to do it too early. You yeah. Know, so that they get like a, a. We started on magic. So we would start oh, playing that magic. Makes sense. And that was a kind of like engagement game, and we loved it. Yeah. Um, We've been playing Sushi Go. Did you ever play that game? No. It's like a. Uh, uh, you're making like a sushi meal. Uh, and cards, mm. and my girls love it because they're like cute what, little. What electric. spells do you get to cast? <laughs> you can there... cast wasabi, uh, <laughs> and then you cast uh, sh- <laughs> burning eyes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so we started playing, and you know, it's this great little look. You know, we went away on a family vacation. All our family vacations, we bring our books. Yeah. And all the books you haven't read, you bring them all. No, no, we bring the actual, you know, I'll bring my DM's guide and player's guide. And nice. then we'll, you know, they'll pack their characters and their dice. And like, well, we were on a train last year from Montana to Seattle and we played on the train. And, nice. you know, they love it. And oh, it's this great on the train. Thing. That's got to be fun. It was cool. It was really cool. It's hard yeah. to roll a dice. But other than that, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, and this, and what, you know, and we introduced like our dear friends, the Philippones, mm-hmm. which I'm sure they'll find this because they love every, they love, they've watched the, you know, the Twitch of stream of Annihilation like multiple times. Nice. But they are these, the, there's three boys and two of the three love the game. And so we'll go on family vacation together and we'll all sort of, you know, we'll go up to a house and the, the kids will all, will all play. And I introduced them to the game. And now, because they wanted to play more and more and more, mm-hmm. and as they're getting older, you know, I've fi- they finally found out that they can run the game themselves. And it started with, like, the 13-year-old who started to run, and now the 15-year-olds are running it. So now there's, like, multiple games. And, like, not but two weeks ago, I dropped my kids off at 10 a.m. Yeah. And they played till 6. And we, we, me and my wife and I went over at 6 to pick them up and we have dinner. Yeah. And they had dinner fast, and they kept playing afterwards. Nice. So you've got these kids sort of broken in this, you know, in this, in this day – they're broken from, you know, watching TV or from playing video games. They're all together. They're telling a group story. I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. If you're listening to this podcast, you understand the sort of power of the game. But these kids love it. And the exposing, exposing them to, um, to the power of your imagination mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the idea of, like, f- doing something. They, you know, they kind of went through the thing, like, we all want to play these bad characters. I'm like, okay. We'll play bad characters. What do you want to do? You want to kill things? Okay. It's right. not that fun. You know, it's like, there. I don't know. There's. It's been a really kind of, it's been a really powerful thing for them. And yeah, and it's I like a it. safe area where they can test out who they are, what they do. Yeah. You know, especially at that like kind of, you know, teenage years, you don't get a lot of that, right? You don't get a lot of like uh, able to to do bad things and not and not be getting in trouble for it, right? So like you can do some of those things and exercise those, those, yeah, those, they, those but, things that don't but feel. They, but playing the bad guys, they were like, 
they realized quickly that playing the bad guy actually wasn't that fun. Yeah. That you're not building towards anything, that you're not trying to, you know, that right, it, but what, it, wasn't as, it wasn't as rewarding. Where can you get that lesson anywhere else is what yeah, I'm trying exa- to say. Yes, right? like, exactly. Exactly. And the, and the idea is like, you know, they, you know, at some point, and it's, and I keep trying to explain it to my youngest, my nine-year-old loves video games. And I'm like, look, I'll play, yes, I'll play Overwatch with you. I love it. Yeah. Let's play. And at the end of an Overwatch session, I'll be like, you know, or he'll get like his um, his loot box. Yeah. And I was like, that's awesome. But does it, do you, f- how do you feel now? Do we just play for an hour? Is it, I mean, does it like, where are you at? What does it give you? Do you, you know what I mean? And you try to like, I'm not judging the moment. I love video games. I play FIFA soccer like all the time. I like playing video oh, wow. games more than I like watching television. We have to play a match then. Oh, dude! I have to bring it. My anytime, buddy, my buddy anyplace, in Brooklyn. Anywhere. I know. I never played that much, but he always had those games, and I would go to his house, and we would just like scream and yell at each other yeah. for for what we it's did. It's competition. Yeah. So for me to be in competition is way more fun than sitting there watching things that you know I do all the time. Nice. Um, but yeah, so we uh, we're a big gaming family, and I love it. I love teaching. In fact, you know, we we're talking about stream. Yeah. I was like, let's bring kids in. Let's teach kids how to play D and D on stream. You know. Yeah. So that'd be super fascinating. Yeah. Well, I was saying, I was thinking, what if we did a a Twitch channel with kids, like did their campaign, like a Matt Mercer, like what if they, you know, so that you see kids as an example for other kids to play. I wish, I wish, I mean, there's something about having the adult be the DM and making that happen, but I also really want to get like kid DMs, right? Like feel like, you know, like those friends you were talking about, like, like, oh, they like, oh, I can do these stories and make them up too. And like, that's a huge leap in. A hundred percent. And you see a kid, because look, I think one of the things that Mike said during stream, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really incredible, which is there is no right way and wrong way to do D and D. You can anyone can anyone can DM. It's about story. If you want to bend the rules, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. And um, and I think that's powerful for a kid to see another kid DM would be awesome. Yeah, um, it's aspirational. You yes, see her, especially you, if it's like, like a teenager. You, right? And it also breaks down the barrier for entry for a kid to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because you know the, when they first started to play, you know you would you're level three, you're level four, you're level, you know they're leveling up really fast. They're getting all these magic items, and you're like, oh, yeah. That's like the first iteration. That the the joy is actually the loot. Well, it's yeah. actually the journey and the story and the right. And that's know, a growth thing yeah, too. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it like how it's like you know you go from uh, uh, kids books to YA to to you know more more in depth books. And I feel like D and D kind of has that same thing. They're like, all on the side of my table. Like, <laughs> they're all. That's a callback. Up. That's a callback. You're, you're <laughs> Tell them that's a callback. Yeah, that's good stuff. God. Yeah. Do you? I mean, do you put like mink oil on that? It's just <laughs> so shiny and. It's it, that beard Northwest puts and, mine to shame. I'm starting to grow one now, and I'm like, man, I, I, oh. it's going to take me like years to get to the Gandalf beard Tears that he's of got a going virgin. on. <laughs> just laced, just lavender. Do you know how expensive that is? Yes, I do. It's like 400 gold pieces. Oh, do I? <laughs> uh, nice. So yeah, I think having that kind of stream would be awesome. You want to you want to start it up down in L.A. We can make it happen. We are thinking about doing some stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, because I remember when I first talked to you, you were a little bit like, what's this streaming thing? How I does it work? I still don't get it. You I'm still gonna don't get honest. it? Right. I'm going to be honest. I'm, but I will say that I know my kids watched the things that we did on stream. Yeah. Kids I'm talking about watched it. And there's this world that I don't get. Like my kid watching YouTube and the ki- watching people play games is beyond me. Right. 
Um, but but, it, but people that, like it. But people really like yeah. it, and it's it's a different way to engage with it. I mean, you, you know, we're talking about how like Dragon Magazine has kind of went away and, and morphed and changed into Dragon Plus. Um, you know, that was the way we engaged when when we were kids was like that kind of media. But now it's it's you know it's not just Saturday morning cartoons. It's cartoons all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever you want them. So right. you know, it's I feel like it's the same thing. It's the same in. It's just the the form and of the content has changed. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, but you would never, like, as a kid, you would never sit around and watch a game. You'd play. You'd play, right? Right. So the idea of, like, watching a game, I don't know, it's funny. But look, you know, we're, we're talking about, my, my guys and I are talking about maybe doing a, our version of a, of a Twitch channel game that we're really excited about. Neat. Some of the stuff that we've got going on up here today is hey. part of that. Yeah, that'd be a good way to, to, to show it off, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, to build um, it. So yeah, you, you, I, you mentioned that you play with a whole bunch of uh, yes. TV writers and producers and showrunners. Amazing showrunners. Super yeah. powerful human beings. So you have two weekly games. Is this true? Uh, no, I don't play weekly with those guys. That's oh, okay. like, if you can get them together, it's like the A-team. Like <laughs> right, okay. find so them, The planets can, align and everything happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah so who are, who are some of the people? Um, so it's Matt Nix who's running the new uh, uh, ec- the uh, the new X Men show on Fox. Oh, cool! Is that yeah? The not the Legion, but the um, yeah the uh, unto- uh, the specials or the what is it called? We're doing it again. Uh, we're, we're doing, doing this. Doing, is- <laughs> <laughs> I don't want Steve. It's uh, the X Men show. X Men show. Yeah, yeah, yeah the new X- Yes, Matt Nix. Yeah. Um, and then Elwood Reed, who did the bridge. I mean, the bon- a bunch of these guys came from the bridge. Yeah. So Dario's from the bridge. Um, Patrick Somerville, and he's doing, um, uh, and Dario's doing the new Punisher show. So nice. like, all these guys are great TV writers, and uh, Abraham is our, um, Abraham Ben Ruby is our DM. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah and what, what kind of a game is that? Like, do you do. Uh, it's funny. Look, I think that all of our games, all of my games, I think, and what I, I really respond to in the game is like really high stakes. Mm hmm. That like we take it seriously and like it's really dramatic and then huge breaks of like really funny shit. Yeah, just really funny stuff. Yeah, because you have to have those highs and lows. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, right. And like they both inform each other. But like, it, you it's can't. the great. I mean, look, it's the great thing. Of, in in good game, you get like you're engaged, you know, and you're like you're rolling dice and jumping up in success, and you're like high fiving, like emo- like you're having an emotional experience right. when you vanquish the bad guy, and you're like you know you magic missile the last thing and the thing you're like oh. You know, you're like screaming in exultation, and then you'll go, and then you'll have these moments of like the f- I've never laughed harder than when I do in a game, and yeah. I don't know what you know. Like we can sit around and drink a beer or watch a football game, and it's just not the same sort of engagement. You don't have the same kind of emotional connection to the storytelling, right? And I've tried um, to talk tell people who like don't know uh, about about Dungeons and Dragons or what it is, and like describe to them. It's almost like a uh, uh, like a concert, like a music concert, where like the band is doing one thing and they're like really into what they're doing, and the audience responds, and they have this mixture of like symbiotic, yeah, yeah, like of like emotional yeah, relationship, yeah. right? And that's I think that's the closest thing I can I can compare a Dungeons and Dragons game to yeah, because you're all doing this all together. Yeah. You're all, but it's not. It's not just a passive, like, oh, I'm doing this one thing. It's like everybody is invested in that one role to get the vanquished that bad and, guy. And in all aspects, too. It's not even in combat. I mean, it's no. the stuff where you're like, you know, I said to my wife, she's like, you know, what do you guys do or something? And I was like, it was awesome. We got to, you know, we, we were shopping most of the night. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you're like, you're like this whole thing. Those like, are my favorite sessions. Where you have the session where you're like, you know, you're going to meet the, you know, the the crown, the crown prince, or you've got some kind of thing, and yeah. you've got all these elements to sort of accomplish before you meet at the ball, before you're, you know. So then you're getting robes done, and like, oh, John, I want to do this, and you try to come up with craft. I mean, our whole thing is our our game is 
based around a lot of like crafty moves, mm. you know, like really smart. Like, like it's intrigue, funny. like trying to like get like a yeah, like, one up. Well, just like, like you know, something? John, I'm gonna craft the letter to the you know, I'm gonna do something that's a like a little outside the box. Mm. Like one of my, I have this um, this warlock who I'm playing right now. That I don't love because it's like you get two spells and there's like you know ex- you, these. You know, you're not doing a lot. You're like snipering with this, right, right. you know, Eldrick. But it's really thematic yeah. at the yeah, same time, but right? But he's so I I did take um, like uh, major image and like you know you're you're so now all of a sudden you're crafting images to like make a difference. Yeah, like we're I'm a big fan of in our game. We're big fans of like doing cool moves rather than just like fireball, 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 one. I mean, it's like you know I want to do like John. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna I'm gonna meld into stone and then pop out as you know it's just weird sort of yeah creativity in the gaming itself so like in that preamble before you meet the the duke or whatever we're talking about you know like doing things that are like i'm gonna buy i'm gonna go into this i'm gonna find the finest wine i can find in town i'm gonna present it to you know mm-hmm. Right, so, and then the whole conversation would be talking to the wine guy, and then yeah, finally, right and you'd thing. be like, what you know, or what you know, then you'll go and you'll present it, and yeah, like whatever. That's the kind of storytelling that you know. Every now and then, look, every now and then, you like fighting the big bad dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm on board with that. What do you ever find like the, the people uh, who are uh, creatives in 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 Hollywood? Like, do they do they feel like they are using their muscles in a different new way? Is it like that, or is it just is it separate? Know, look, my guys are like all the guys I play with, you know, for these 26, 27 years yeah. are guys that went to acting school, so they all have that sort of um, that gene anyway, that that performance sort of thing. Yeah, uh, and the guys I play with in that group. With Patrick Somerville, um, <laughs> Matt Nix, on uh, those guys, they're, they are—they're also incredible storytellers, and they—they yeah. they create these like fully um, rounded-out characters that have you know great backstory, and they have a real sense of character and the things they're doing. And look, and they're funny. I mean, Matt Nix is hilarious. Mm. Elwood Reed's hilarious. Abraham Ben Ruby's a great DM, big voice, and like plays with like energy and. You know, so this whole thing is, um, it's you know, it's there. It's a, both my games. I'm really proud of, and I love them. Neat. Yeah. That's cool stuff. Um, I uh, I love Abe uh, because of uh, uh, Parker Lewis can't lose. That, yeah, was, sure. that was like my like thing to him. Yeah. And when you mentioned that he, you played with him, I was like, oh my god, I can't yeah. believe Kubiak is going to be coming here. He's the only man on earth that can hug me like a child. <laughs> Because he's like he's si- I'm six four, he's six seven. Yeah, and he's like a solid three twenty. He's like three hundred pounds. Uh, he's and a he frost can, like, giant of a man. Envelop, envelop is yeah, the right? Envelop right. you in his arms and like hold you. And I like it's my favorite thing to like literally go like this and just put my head on his chest <laughs> as he holds me like a baby. It's, it's does he do that as a dungeon master sometimes? Don't get do not get jealous. <laughs> There's still time for us. It'll happen. You can't hold me like he can, but you have other attributes. <laughs> that beard. Beautiful yeah, beard. Envelop your face as much as it, as it can. Handsome eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's awesome. That is cool stuff. Um, so, yeah, you, you mentioned what you're, what you're uh, uh, doing now. Yeah, but you just, had, you just came off of uh, uh, um, uh, Twin Peaks yes, and all that. Peaks, sure. How was that? What was that like working with uh, David? Crazy. Lynch? It was great. Um, he's... Um, you know, you're working with somebody that's sort of an iconic figure. Yeah. 
And, you know, you get a sense of that. You understand that, you know, it's a special look. In shooting that show, you realize you're on something that people are going to watch. Right. That people, especially that the, um, you know, the followers of that, the, those peakers, you know, the twin peakers, like those people. Is that what are, they're called? Uh, I just named them that. I think I just named them tweakers. It's kind of like tweakers. Tweakers, tweakers, yeah. peakers. Peakers, tweakers. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a whole world of people that are um, in love with him, that story, the way he tells stories, the way yeah. he makes shows, the way he makes movies. Are you in love with I am not. It's not my jam. Yeah, it's not mine either. Okay, yeah. good. All right. That, that, no, makes, that makes a lot of sense I mean, to me. Because I, I love him. Yeah. And I like and I appreciate what he does. Right. And I think, he's, I think he is iconic and I think that he is remarkable. Mm -hmm. I did not catch Twin Peaks the first time I came around. I like his movies, but the Twin Peaks of it all, um, it's just, I never was, when it came out the first time, I was 21 in New York City. I didn't watch TV. I never went back to find it. I did the show. I don't have, I didn't have a sense of the show going in because you only get your lines. So it's oh. not like I'm reading. I'm like this is amazing. You don't get the whole script. You get only what you say. Really? And the person across. From is that like meant to like keep mystery? I I don't know. I mean, you sort of have to ask him. Yeah. Um, there is this level of security around. There was this level of security around that right, show right. that was sort of like being on a Star Wars. Yeah. You are not given sides. You are giving your script back at the end of shooting. Like there's like a whole Ooh, like cool, protocol in shooting that show. Yeah. Um, you don't know who's on set with you until you get there that day. Like you're only given your call time. So, it, you know, there is this level of secrecy I've never seen before. Yeah. So, I, and so I don't know if it's because of secrecy or because he just doesn't really want your, he doesn't want you to use sort of your artificial or your artistic intellectual sort of side of yourself to add to that moment. He like just wants you to be in the moment. That's not there. Yeah. Like he he's like, to- you know, if I read a, if I read a script, you know, and I know I'm the bad guy, you know, on page 10, I know I'm the bad guy. Well, yeah. it's going to sort of influence how you play the part. And he, you don't have that in this. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, 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 I'm like you in that I don't really get it. Uh, um, and I'm inter- I brought it up in the context of a D&D conversation because, you know, the mind will take disparate details and put a story together all sure. the time. Like, that's what Dungeons & Dragons is really all about. Like, you roll random crap and you're like, all right, well, now that's part of the story. As long as I beat you. Yeah. Damn it. Oh, nice. What did you get? This two, I got a two. Oh, four beats two. Nice. <laughs> Out oh. the door. Um, so but, like, I, I feel like, especially gamers, are used to taking stuff that doesn't make any sense and make sense of it. Sure. Right? And, and I To the, buy in. I mean, you, you have that sort of suspension of disbelief. Right. And yep. I feel like with, with Lynch's stuff, I, I, I want to make sense of it. I try so hard to be like, oh, there's the thread of the story and things like And I'm not necessarily thinking about Twin Peaks, more of, um, you know, Lost Highway and, sure, uh, right. and, and, uh, and those movies. Um, but... I was always like, man, I don't get it. I, I try. I'm like, this better pay off. This better, like, I better be able to come up with a story at the end of this. And I just can't. Well, look. So I, I'm I, always, like, trying to think, like, why, what is it about the, those things that, that, that uh, uh, entice people? And I think it is because they, want, they like that, that exercise of making a story up that may be there, may not be there. They're taking those details yeah. and making it up in their head. I mean, look, there are people that like that lucid dreaming state yeah. in, the, in the way he makes TV. And... You know, I love th- awesome. I I respect it. I sort of love that he was given. I mean, I think that Showtime was remarkable in giving him eighteen episodes to do whatever he wanted. Right, he's like talking about, you know, complete freedom to to just deliver what he wants. Yeah, which you're being is an auteur and remarkable make to what do what you want to make. Right, um, and I think that he did exactly what he wanted to do. 
That's I, you know, I appreciate it. I love him. I think he's, I think he's an awesome, like, person. person. Yeah. Well, I don't know him that well, but I sort of love what he does, and yeah. I sort of love that he's creating what he believes in, and he is an auteur, and he's doing what he is coming from him. Right. It all makes sense to him. Every single element of that show, and I know this to be the case, is completely... Um, it's multi-layered. It's there for a reason. There are no arbitrary cuts or mistakes. Yeah. It's all built. And I so appreciate that and respect that. That is good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wish more Dungeon Masters were that way. Yeah. Right? I think it's, you know, I, I think There's that something that's, you know, again, going back to what we're talking about up here in Seattle, I mean, like, I think it's hard. I think that the, the constraints of time and energy and effort in today's day and age mm-hmm. is hard to like step aside from all the things that are going on to create a campaign that's remarkable. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so what's exciting about the uh, your new project, The Good Girls? What's, what's going uh, on? There? Look, I think that, first of all, I have a job. I like being on a job. <laughs> I mean, it's my favorite thing to do is, to, you know. Right. To, and you to, mentioned you've had lulls and uh, ups sure, and downs, yeah, right? No, and that's for sure. super. I mean, I was a freelancer for a long time in, in New York, and that's that was uh, terrifying. Yeah. You know, but hard. not at the scale that, that, that you're talking about where it's like, oh, yeah, I've got this yeah. and then I've got nothing. And, and so that's got to be great to be like, all right, I'm, you feel like your 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 wind is in your sails again as far as getting exactly. work. A hundred percent. Work begets work. And look, you, you know, in our job, I think one of the things and I talk about this a lot and, you know, I, I, I believe in talking about it. Look, our job, we do not get paid what people out there in the world think we get paid all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're Tom Cruise, you can make a lot of money. Yes. If you're number one on the call sheet, you're, you can, you're definitely in the 1%. And I get paid great when I work. But if you don't work, I mean, I've worked for one week this year. <laughs> one week. that I made great money for that week. Yeah. But I've worked one week. We're, what's the ninth month? Yeah. I know. I do Scooby-Doo all the time. So I do the voice of Shaggy all the time. So I've been in cartoons. I have a day job. It's awesome. But when you work for one week in a year, it's a not it's a it's a tough run, dude. That is really that's tough. That's a tough run, right? So does um, the sag like you know like insurance and all that like all like yeah, go I, into I can, winning? I'm hitting that no problem. I mean, oh, I okay. got that. Like, uh, my insurance is good, and look, I was, and I make and I make good money at Scooby Doo. Like I'm, I, I can live off Scooby Doo money. Nice, not oh, that's good. Not everybody's not, got that. No, no, and it's also like you know I'm not like flying in a plane, <laughs> you know, but we can get by. Right. Worst case scenario, we can get by. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. And I love my job and I love that job because of that reason. Um, but, you know, we don't make a lot of money. So when you have a job like this, all of a sudden you're like, you can kind of take a breath. You can pay your credit cards off. You can kind of like recalibrate and catch up. Yeah. You know, and that's where we're at. So it's good. And my wife also works and she's great and she's a freelancer. So together we are on this sort of like crazy journey nice. of success when it comes. It's right. great. What does she do? Uh, real estate. Real estate. All right. So that is a big yeah. boom and so bust like, type you know, situation. You have, you know, you don't, you don't work from like October to January because yeah. nobody's selling a house in that time of year. So. Right. And nobody, you know, as an actor, you're generally not making money at that time of year. So you're like, this is the worst four months ever. <laughs> and Christmas is in the middle of it with children. You're yeah. Like, oh. You're like, guys, you're getting ramen for, yeah. for, for Merry Christmas. <laughs> Well, that's cool. Well, the, the, so the NBA, NBC show, uh, can you talk a, more oh, yeah, about what uh, it is? Like, yeah, it's uh, called Good Girls. Yeah. Um, it's Retta from Community and uh, Mae Whitman from Parenthood. Mm-hmm. And um, 
uh, Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. Oh, she was man. Yeah, it was just Fantastic. great. And then um, me and um, uh, Reno. I just met these guys yesterday. Reno Wilson. Reno Wilson. Mm-hmm. Reno. Um, is in it. Sorry, I'm terrible with names today. I know. Like I'm, those days, like, I'm 47 years old and shit is slipping. <laughs> I want you to know I am not nearly <laughs> as together as I used to be. And I'm like, oh, re-, and names are terrible. So, anyways, but it's the show's about three women pushed to their extremes mm-hmm. and sort of um, take matters into their own hand. And um, it's it's like it's like a Breaking Bad meets Thelma and Louise. Women are like taking back their sort of power. Sweet. And I play one of the, I play um, Christina Hendricks' husband, mm-hmm. and I'm not a good guy. I'm a bad guy. Ooh. Yeah, I'm always a bad. Guy. I'm the. I promise you, I'm like I. Th- I think I'm like just about the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> just <laughs> but, about. I mean, just and, about. And the most modest. I mean, but there's like there's like. Me, I, it's like Santa Claus and then me. I mean, I'm right there, dude. <laughs> right. In terms of nice guys. Yeah. And then Krampus is right underneath that. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. so, and, so, and I play this guy who's like a jerk. And yet that, you, that your career has kind of shifted that way to doing like, hey. And I like always these bad guys. Yeah. I was on Bosch. I'm a bad guy. Right. I'm a, you know, I'm a bad guy and breaking on, on uh, Halt and Catch Fire. So yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. I wonder if just with age, you kind of like become yeah, more of the older guy instead of like the, hey, I'm the young Get kid. Get off my lawn, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'd be remiss of not mentioning SLC Punk. Uh, my, my brother loved uh, that, that movie uh, when we were kids growing up. Uh, was that like your first like big breaky kind of thing? No, that was after Scream. Yeah. Scream was pretty big. Oh, all right. Yeah, that was that. yeah, I did Scream, see that. The Scream movies up yeah. there. I mean, it's. It's up there. Um, you know, my first movie was a movie called Serial Mom with John Waters. Uh, so oh, I've been so you lucky. John Waters, too? Yeah. That's insane. Awesome. I've, wor- I've worked with a lot of really cool directors. Yeah. Um, Alexander Payne and The Descendants. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, SLC Punk is my favorite movie I've ever done, bar none. Really? No. Oh, yeah. Why is that? Um, well, a lot of reasons. One, it was, um, I was in the whole thing. Like, it's my movie. <laughs> like, you know, like other movies, you're like, Freddie Prince's best friend. I'm like, okay, that's, I'm a good, that's a good job. That's yeah. a good job. That's a good job. Um, but to be in, like, every frame is way cooler than to be the guy on the bench. Yeah, that makes sense. So I like being in every frame. Um, I like the fact that, look, it's about this little punk rock disenfranchised kid trying right. to find his way. I like the work I do in it. I think it's fun. and I haven't seen it in a long time, but I, I feel like it's... Um, you know, it's it's good work at that age for the kid I was then. Right. Um, so I'm proud of the work. And then I like the fact that I'll walk down the street and, you know, if I have 10 people come up to me in the course of a day and say, well, you're that guy. I love you and that thing. Mm-hmm. I'll say like, you know, four of them will say scream and two of them will say Scooby-Doo and three of them will say something random, you know. But like, you know, a big chunk of it is like, you know, all people come up and say SLC Punk changed my life. Mm. And like you'll have those kids that have connection to that movie. It's one thing to be in a movie like Scooby Doo, but a movie like SLC Punk changed kids' lives. And to me, it's super powerful. And I'll do these cons, you know, and I'll sign autographs, and I've got a couple SLC Punk pictures. And you'll have this kid who's like got green hair, mm. or who's gay, and is a or is a cutter, or is like obese, and they'll be like, "Dude, that movie helped me get through a hard time." Yeah. And you're like, you know, you hug them, and you're like, "I get it." I get it. That's cool. Yeah, it's that, good. It's that, a powerful movie for a kid that needs that movie. Yeah, yeah. So I love it. I mean, and then I did a movie called um, 
Fat Kid Rules the World, mm. um, which is a movie I directed here in Seattle about oh, an obese teenager that finds punk rock music and becomes like, uh, and, and the power of drumming. Mm. Um, and so I love that movie. So those are my two favorites. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't realize you were uh, a director as yeah, well. Yeah, I'd rather direct than, if I could direct the rest of my life and never act again, I would happily accept No way. That. Yeah, oh, yeah. What about a Dungeons and Dragons movie? Would you direct that? I would do to 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 FXC or, or or no I love it. I mean look I it keeps I mean people keep trying right yeah. they try to they see this IP this intellectual property like wow there's a lot of people that play D and D let's make that movie and they just think that every time they try to make that movie they they miss the point mm. and I think it's a hard movie to make yeah I mean, you have I've thought a lot about it I don't know how you make it it's hard to sort of capture the magic that hangs around that table. Right. We talked about, well, obviously a lot in this office of like, hey, what, what is it? Is it, is it the gaming? Is it the getting together with friends and, and you know, going you know, forward? Is it like a, you know, back and forth between what's real and what's not? Is it just the stories of Dungeons and Dragons? Like, is that what people want? So, yeah, you're right. It is, it's a hard, it's hard nut to crack as getting it. And I think, honestly, the, the property that's done it the best so far is Stranger Things, where like it nailed that idea of what Dungeons and Dragons was in a, a dramatic story uh, uh, that had a lot of elements of, of D&D sure. in there. Like, I mean, like the, the, the teen, you've seen that? Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah the, the teenagers, when they find out there's a monster, they're like, let's kill it. Let's yeah, get all the tools sure. that we need to kill that monster. And I'm yeah. like, that to me was Dungeons and Dragons more than, it's you know, on, the Dungeons uh, and Dragons that, movie was. That, that show is remarkable in so many ways yeah. and I, I totally agree with you and I think that look and I you know it's funny we, I started watching Game of Thrones is anyone still listening we've been talking <laughs> for like two hours there's a is lot of anyone people. on Twitch is these two like, are enthralled look no at they're them. not I mean dude Pelham, Pelham's asleep look at him <laughs> He can't even keep his eyes That's open. because he's working nonstop. He's always working. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, there's like nine people on Twitch. This sucks. <laughs> what are the comments? You're a, you're a loser, Shaggy. No. Suck they're it, oh, they're, all, they're all saying, we're here. We're all here. Hanselman, what's up, dude? Yeah. Uh, I met him in Providence. Don't, don't call him out. They're like, I hate Lillard. <laughs> Go home, Lillard. Where's Freddie? <laughs> um... Do you still hang out with Freddie Prince? No, Jr.? I do. You know, he's on sports radio now. Is he really? Yeah, he's doing sports radio in L.A. He's great. Yeah. I don't see him ever. No, no. you're not his wing wing, wing mate, I, as in have, wing commander. I have no. Um, I have no. I have one Hollywood friend. His name's Abraham Ben Ruby. I have it? a lot of people. I love. Like I love Dax Shepard. I love Seth Green. I like everyone I've ever worked with. There are yeah. three people in my life that will go out of my way to talk smack about. <laughs> if asked, if like, what do you think of so and so? I'll be like, ooh, that that person's not a good person. Ooh. But in you did, that was a big opening that I'm not going to take. Well, you, I would never in a million years. But there's in 27, I mean, 27 years, 26 years I've been acting. Yeah. 28 years or something ridiculous. Um, I have three people that I would like, you know what? That's not a good person. Oh. That's actually a pretty good run it's for that awesome. long, but right? Because you hear so many stories about how Hollywood is all oh, people backstab you, uh, blah, blah, blah. But like, that's pretty I think great. it's all garbage. I mean, I think I'm sure that happens. That's not in my universe. If right. people are mean or rude, I don't, it's not my life. Yeah. I live very much outside of that bubble. I'm a very normal, I think I'm a normal dude. Right. Um, and when I go to work, I like work. I'm happy at work. If somebody's having a hard time, I try to see through that hard time. There's a lot of stress, there's a lot of insecurity. You know, and my whole thing is like if I'm light and can act in lightness and if I can bring joy and energy to a set, a lot of times people's other like dour fear base gets sucked out of the room. Mm. So my whole thing is if you can bring love into a situation, if you can bring joy, a lot of times people would rather do that than to be negative and lost. That's cool. That's That's a good way to bring it, man. That's Um, you have the right energy about it. But I was going back. So Game of Thrones. When I first started watching Game of Thrones, 
I, I thought the first season, I was like, oh, my God, the lighting's so bad. Everyone looks so pretty. Their teeth are perfect. Like, you've got smudge makeup on. It was like I had a really hard time of getting out of the sort of actor take on that production the first year. Yeah. But I was, and I, I tried multiple times, and I love the books, and I tried multiple times to get into it. At some point on a flight somewhere, I was like, I'll try one last time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got through that first season, and second season started, and that show became the sort of quintessential fantasy show for me mm. and the work that they're doing and the dragons and the sort of magic of it and the authenticity. I don't know. I really loaded into that show. Nice. And it, you need that sort of level of production. You need that sort of commitment of money and time and energy and, and storytelling. Yeah. Um, yeah. For a D&D movie. And I think that's hard to sort of, I mean, before, I don't think that people ever really understood and I still don't think they really understand the power of this game the power of the people that play it, yeah. the sort of depth of respect for what we have in this, uh, you know, in this space, in this genre, and I think that continually Hollywood underestimates um, our buying power and who we are as like a movement, and yeah. you start to see it. I mean, the nerdist, like you start to see the Seth Greens of the world sort of rise up in this nerd power. There's like this 2.0 of nerd, mm-hmm. and like people are like oh, and you know, they, they're starting to understand like Comic-Con is mm. built around this, you know, and, and the Marvel movies are all built around this sort of um, this industry of fantasy. Yeah. And we're starting to sort of like get like a, a, a shred of respect as like a buying public. Yeah. And so, you know, as soon as they respect us as actual connoisseurs and, and, and a movement, then they'll start making legitimate movies for us, legitimate TV shows, taking this intellectual property and really doing it in a way that we, it deserves. Cool. I think that's the best pitch we I've, I've ever heard. We need to rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Yeah. Of make, people. No, I mean, like, you know, I, I do. I, I believe and it has that. been happening over the last, you know, 15 years, really. I mean, like, since, since Lord of the Rings, like, really, and Harry Potter and all these movies and, and properties that have continued to uh, uh, show that, that, that power that you're sure. talking about. Um, you know, even just like the rebirth of Star Wars, like they were able to to be like, oh yeah, no, by the way, people really do like Star Wars, even though they might not like those three movies. You know, right. like it's 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 getting back into that, and I think um, with Marvel's success and all these things, like we, we it's it, it's primed. Like everybody is ready. That? Do you feel that walking around this office? That uh, that D and D. Well, that D and D is like. Oh yeah, on the rise. I mean, is it oh, on sure. the rise? Do you think the brand is on the rise? Oh yeah. I mean, we've we've said it to a bunch of, of press, but like it, it is it is more popular now than we think it has ever been. Uh, right. We think more people are actively playing now. More people are are uh, getting into the books for the first time. Uh, a lot of that comes from uh, uh, women playing. Uh, you know, like younger, the, younger. Right. Um, you know, people of color, people with different backgrounds. Like, uh, do you think that that's because of the development of the gaming system is easier now? It's I think like it's, what do you think? Or I think do you there's think a couple of prongs. Rise of I think there's a couple of prongs. I think one of them is the one you're talking about, where like there's a lot more D and D esque. Properties acceptance that, acceptance out in the world. Um, the fifth edition rule set itself is way easy to get into uh, for uh, new players, uh, right. uh, while also serving people who played a really long time. So like it, I think five. I think it's so good. Yeah, it's I a masterful it. stroke of being able to like Mike Merles, Jeremy Crawford, that whole team of being able to put together this thing that feels really familiar, but can also feel really new and fresh at the same right. time. That is a big part of it, and then also the streaming, being able to see. Other people like you playing, 
um, is a big part of it because so you, you, you can read a book, you can read a you right. can read a, 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 a script of you know, and, and the old DMG used to have this where it was like, here's how you play, and it had like a script, right? Sure. And that got it across not that great. You know, you didn't really understand how the game worked until you played it, right? Right. right. And streaming still isn't the same as you playing, but it gets farther along. You get to be like, oh, I see what that person is doing. I see sure. how that works. I see, understand what the dungeon master does. Um, and I think that uh, is the third prong of why people are like, oh my gosh, right. this is this is the game for me. I, I think I said this it. to you um, on the streets of Seattle after streams of Annihilation, but I said we're going to be at this in like ten years, yeah. and you're going to remember how cute. And charming the first one was, because yeah. I do think that there is this rise of Twitch. Big shout out to Twitch Yo and all Twitch. the people. Twitch it up, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, we don't care. <laughs> they look, they're all talking. Where? That's what's amazing. Like they're constantly being like, oh, and they're no. sharing their stories on here. It's amazing. Who wants me to strip? <laughs> <laughs> no one. They're Wait. all like, no. Come no. on, tell me how many people. How many people? <laughs> we get 10,000 likes. I will show you my everything. If everybody in the chat subscribes right now, right now, we're both going to put our pants back on because they've been off this whole time and you haven't even known it. Um, <laughs> They're all like, no, no. All right, there's a do it. Oh, there's, come on. Someone who says do Who's it. Who said no? Uh, electric a, pencil said I'm gonna no. I'm going to find you, pencil. <laughs> I'm going to find you in the world. Oh, man. Uh, well, this has been really good talking to you. We're done. Like I'm not leaving, dude. I'm here forever. Dude, we've been talking Roll for like, niche. We've been 16. talking for like 90 I minutes. I have a four decks. Plus four. That's a 20. All right, let's see. Will we end the podcast now? Oh, 16. All right, oh, roll you off. Have a, you have a plus two decks. <laughs> 17. Two. You suck. All right, well, we'll keep we going. We go. 10 more we'll just keep hours. keep going. 10 Man. more hours. A lot of people just uh, 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 subscribe, so I think that means you have to start taking it off. <laughs> That's the sad. You never. I'm a 47-year-old man <laughs> who never wants to get naked. It's just not my forte. No. I got no. real gushy bits <laughs> right through this area it's here. It's a dad bod situation. I mean, it's like, yeah. remember the eight minutes like dad bods were rad? Yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm back. Finally. The look yes. that I've been curating for 27 years is finally hip. Here is this body. Bring it. Well, and anyway, it was good talking to you. I feel like you and I uh, uh, should talk more, like all the time. I think people like this stuff. So let's do it. I'm down. Um, <laughs> Whenever you're not working. I'm right. down. I mean, look, I think that uh, we have, the, you know, we're up here to talk about a potential for ongoing That's right. sort of thing. So maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe we um Make maybe I'm up here a lot. Yeah. And you start rolling rolling some dice on the streams. I think people would like that, right? Twitch people, you think that's a good idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's make it happen. All right, thanks. I just put it in the coffee cup. That's all right. That's all right. Well, because we got the Nolzor's Marvelous Miniatures in here, too. Those minis are awesome. They're so good. I love so them. Good. Uh I love that they like level up. They're like, oh, it's the it's the, you know. First level, second level. Is no, it is? yeah, right. It's like, oh, here's uh, a dwarf fighter with uh, uh, you know not so good equipment, and then then he is when he's got his ultra equipment, like oh. he's been there for the whole time. So, you know, if you spend with kids, man, they are legit. It's smart. Yeah, it's right. good stuff. Thank you. We're closing it out. You guys are the best. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, what's going on on this thing later on today? We got Miss Clicks. I think is not gonna. It's not gonna, uh, nice. Make it happen. While well, I'm in the middle of talking, um, they are having a, a vod today, uh, and then we got uh, uh, Maze Arcana is happening at seven uh, eight, no, seven p.m. Pacific time tonight uh, with uh, Rudy at the helm tonight. So making it happen. Watch that later on tonight, and uh, we'll be back with uh, with more Dragon Todd. <laughs> His name was Todd. Todd Hedron. It's the worst name. They ever. called him Toad. It's terrible. Ugh. 
It was a good character. I have, now I have to pull out that like 20 second level ranger and uh, show you how cool it was. All right, you guys are the best. Uh, we'll be back uh, later on uh, for more stuff coming at you.